With the latest agriculture news from across the state and nation, it's time for the AgNet News Hour from AgNet West. Here's your host, Danielle Leal. Hey everyone, Danielle Leal here, and thanks for getting your agriculture news with me today. Today is the first day of AgSafe's Activate 23 conference in Monterey. I'm here all event long hearing the latest on OSHA violations, COVID-19 emergency standards that were recently released, worker compensation, pesticide regulatory updates, succession planning, paid sick leave, and effects of wildfire smoke on your employees, as well as so much more. Stay tuned as I gather newsworthy stories and air them to you throughout the coming weeks. But right now, let's get into today's show headlines with Brian German and his first report on Monterey producers that are 45 to 60 days behind schedules due to the excess of water. Not only did the rain and flooding cause damage to farmland, it's also created significant delays in normal operations. As damage assessments continue to be updated, Executive Director of the Monterey County Farm Bureau, Norm Groot, said that some growers in the area are still waiting for access to fields. I think what I'm, I'm hearing at this point is everyone's expecting 45 to 60 days probably as the minimum time frame at this point for all the testing that they're going to have to do for food safety compliance. Uh, that, of course, depends on how fast the fields uh, are accessible and and dry out so that they can start doing that testing protocol. So uh, we are looking at some early plantings here in February that are probably going to be delayed until they get that process in place and, and get those series of negative tests so that they can move forward with their first planting. I'm Brian German for Agnet West Radio Network. Thanks, Brian. And in more agriculture news, the risk of fecal contamination on pistachios and walnuts. Are there risks with produce safety when it comes to California-grown nuts? Don Stuckel with the Produce Safety Alliance says the goal of the produce safety rule is to keep contamination off the nuts, and if it happens, to stop the spread. But when it comes to the nut industry, he adds, The fact that they're mechanically harvested, the fact that for pistachios and walnuts, there is a substantial amount of water used in post-harvest in direct contact, which could spread any contamination that, that was harvested along with, with the nuts, are, are two maybe commodity-oriented risk factors. But then you also have a few things in favor, such as the tendency, of, for walnuts anyway, the tendency to have a, a tight shell around the kernel, and then the, the drying and roasting processes that are pretty prevalent in the system that sometimes reduce the risks. Lemon demand is continuing to make improvements from the substantial hit taken from COVID, but 2022 was still a tough year for growers. Chris Sayer from Petty Ranch down in the Ventura area said that it was a terrible year for the lemon part of their operation and that demand still isn't quite where it needs to be to really handle the amount of supply out there. Yeah, in the big picture, uh, lemon prices were poor last year, uh, largely just because of global oversupply. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of lemon acreage going in uh, all over California, uh, as well as uh, other parts of the, of the world. So supplies have, uh, have definitely gone up, and yet demand, you know, has clawed its way back from the, the depths of the, the COVID pandemic. But uh, we really lost several years of, of growth opportunity there. So that had a predictable impact on pricing. So that kept overall lemon prices down. I'm Brian German for Agnet West Radio Network. Thanks, Brian. And in more agriculture news, the upcoming Outlook 2023 Agribusiness Conference. The California chapter of the American Society of Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers to host the Outlook 2023 Agribusiness Conference next month. 
The conference will feature networking opportunities, industry updates, training courses, an agricultural tour, and more. The training courses include the Advanced Appraisal Exam Prep Course, the Agricultural Property Transaction Class, and the Technology Applications in Appraisal and Google Earth Seminar. During the conference, the California SAF MRA chapter will release the 2023 Trends in Agricultural Land and Leases Values Report. Business professionals will also receive updates on the state of the almond, pistachio, and processing tomato industries. They will also get the latest on water during two panel discussions. The conference will be held March 27th through the 30th in Modesto, California. If interested, folks can register online at www.asfmra.org. You're listening to Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leo. We'll be right back in just a moment with more agriculture news. Farm Employers Labor Service Compliance Posters could save you thousands of dollars. Did you know that California lawmakers can be fined as much as $13,000 in government penalties if they don't have all the required employee and farm labor information posted for their workers? Avoid costly penalties and give yourself peace of mind knowing you are in full compliance with Fells Posters. At only $175, this full set of laminated weatherproof posters eliminates the risk. Order yours at FELS.net. Welcome back to the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leal, tossing it right on over to Sabrina Halverson with today's National Spotlight. In today's National Spotlight, the ag lending community is watching the farm bill debate as it unravels this year, if nothing else, to understand how the new legislation will impact farm loans. Some have expressed concerns that future ad hoc payments could be limited. Ed Elfman, Senior Vice President for Ag and Rural Banking Policy for the American Bankers Association in Washington, D.C., says moving away from ad hoc doesn't concern him. You can't determine an ad hoc payment, right? So farmer suddenly gets a check for 64000 or whatever. You can't write that into your cash flow. It just comes out of nowhere. Um, all you can do is help manage that you know, asset acquisition and make sure that it fits into the overall plan. So what we're watching more is what the overall programs look like. He says when it comes to the actual government payments, since they are ad hoc, bankers don't rely on them. While at the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show last week, I caught up with former California Cattlemen's Association President Tony Toso. He is now the vice chairman of the International Trade Committee for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Here is our conversation. Well, so you just started in this new position with the committee. Tell me a little bit about what you are expecting. Well, what I'm expecting is to kind of take take my education to another level. This is going to be pretty interesting because we worked a lot in California Cattlemen's on domestic pricing issues and how we trade cattle and that type of thing. And I'm really looking forward to this as to being experienced to kind of take it to that next level and how uh, international trade impacts what we do domestically. But in addition to that, there's a lot of different issues out there like traceability, uh, certain diseases like foot and mouth disease, fever ticks, tuberculosis, brucellosis that are issues that affect how we can trade back and forth with other countries. So I'm really looking forward to being a part of that, helping shape policy and to, you know, just be a part of that process. So you were um, at one time president of the California Cattlemen's Association. Will any of that experience be a benefit to you on this committee? Well, I sure hope so. Uh, The last two years, I I just went out in December, uh, we were very focused on uh, pricing of live cattle. cash mandates coming from the government. We took a position to oppose that. We really didn't want to see, from a California perspective, we really did not want to see 
Congress getting involved in how we trade cattle, how we have our most intimate details of our business impact uh, how we do business. So last year we developed policy to keep away from that, to reject the concept of mandated cash trade, that type of thing. And, and uh, uh, you know, we, we just felt that that should be best left to the producer. We, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a place for the government to be involved in, in business and regulation and that type of thing to try and keep a level playing field. But we should be the ones making the decisions on what we do to trade our livestock. We're standing here on the trade show floor at the NCBA meeting, the Cattle Industry Convention. I'm sure the listeners can hear some of the commotion in the background. Has it been a good uh, meeting for you? It's been a great convention. I've learned a lot, met a lot of new people, and I've been coming to this for years, so it just keeps, you know, it keeps getting better every time. Um, you know, one of the big issues that's going to be coming along and is going to be in place is, is traceability. Uh, we're going to be looking at that for, you know, animal disease traceability, any types of impacts from foot and mouth disease, you know, tuberculosis, those types of things. We need to be able to track that and we need to be able to isolate so we don't impact the whole country. We can isolate and learn how to react and, and be able to be more nimble on what we do. It's going to be a pretty important thing to get done. Can I check back in with you after a few months and see how it's going? Anytime you'd like, Sabrina. Thank you again to Tony Tosto. That's today's National Spotlight. I'm Sabrina Halverson, Fragnet West. Thanks, Sabrina. And now for today's Livestock Report, here's Randall Wiseman. Well, in today's Livestock News, a trade team from the National Pork Board, assisted by staff from the U.S. Meat Export Federation, toured retail locations as well as expanding transportation and cold storage facilities during a recent mission to Panama and Colombia. With more about that trip, here's John Harris. On a recent National Pork Board mission to Panama and Colombia, U.S. Meat Export Federation staff helped the delegation get a first-hand look at the expanding market and growing demand for U.S. pork in the region. USMEF Chair-elect Randy Spronk, a longtime pork industry leader, was in the region four years ago, and he says the promotion of U.S. pork by local retailers has been greatly improved. From seeing the retail stores then versus now, at that time, uh, you know, it was a, a frozen product, but sliced, not packaged, uh, and in an end cap. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I thought it was a very poor uh, display of the product. To coming back in here now, how we saw still was frozen product that was sliced, but it was actually on the foam tray packs and actually uh, wrapped individually. So presentation within the grocery stores really improved from four years ago. So we do see this gradual evolution of, of the growth of the market and I think actually the presentation of our product as the cold chain matures. As the U.S. pork industry seeks to diversify global demand, Central and South America will be key growth areas. We have a tendency to look to Asia and uh, think that's our only potential for exports. But really, when you look at Central, South America, Latin America, you roll up all those countries, uh, they have the population and the opportunity to be another Mexico. And so I think when you talk about diversification, actually, we need to be actually looking south here to actually looking to uh, Latin America, to look at Central America and look in South America countries. The difficulties is, is each one of them is an individual country that we have to look at and grow that market. But Colombia and Panama are just two excellent examples of what we can do. Colombia in particular, when we got a free trade agreement with them in 2012, you know, working with producers and, and they're again, marketing generic pork 
today here to look at the tonnage and, and the product that we're moved into that Columbia in a 10-year period is phenomenal. For more, visit USMEF.org. For the U.S. Meat Export Federation, I'm John Harris. Thanks, John. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture has launched the Cattle Contract Library Pilot Program. USDA says the pilot library will provide a new disclosure to the industry and public regarding the key terms, conditions, and volumes under which cattle are contracted. The Consolidation Appropriations Act of 2022 directed USDA to create this pilot library to increase market transparency for producers. The library will have the same look and feel as the working library model developed and shared with stakeholders last year, but it will now be populated with information from active contracts. The initial release of the library will allow users to browse a range of terms and information contained in active contracts used to purchase fed cattle. National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Tanner Bamer said, We've been looking forward to the launch of this library and will review the product to determine if its current format provides value to producers. I'm Randall Wiseman for Agnet West. This is the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leal. We'll be back in just a moment with more of the day's national headlines and local reports when we return. But don't forget, if you've missed any of our morning shows or if you simply need to catch the news at a different time, you can always subscribe to our podcast and have statewide agriculture news at your convenience. All you have to do is search Agnet News Hour or Agnet West on your favorite podcast downloading app. That's Agnet News Hour. It's available on both Apple and Android devices. Over the years, you've brought opioids into your home. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But holding on to opioids puts your family at risk. Learn more at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. You've been listening to the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leal. Welcome back. We've got more of the day's agriculture news right now. The USDA is taking steps to prevent fraud in organic ag, and they're getting support from the industry. That's coming up on This Land of Ours. The Organic Trade Association applauded the USDA and the National Organic Program for the new Strengthening Organic Enforcement Rule. Tom Chapman, CEO of the Organic Trade Association, says the new regulation will do a lot to detect organic fraud and protect the integrity of organic agriculture throughout the supply chain. Uh, When the standards were first published, they focused on controlling entities that touch the product, so farmers, processors, who, you know, transform it or mixing it, making them into finished goods, and anyone who's labeling it. That's really where the standards focused. It didn't focus on the folks who stored products but maybe didn't process it at all, or all the entities that handled the products on paper. They traded, they brokered them, and as organic grew from $6 billion to $63 billion, the supply chains got more complex. I'm Sabrina Halverson for Agnet West. This is the Agricultural Law and Tax Report. I'm Roger McOwen. Farmland can be owned in an IRA, but should it? What if you want to continue farming the land? What if you finance the land purchase? I'll be back in a moment to discuss the issues with holding farmland in an IRA. Agriculture needs the next generation. Kansas State University's College of Agriculture prepares students through applied learning, internships, and research. Learn more at ag.ksu.edu. I'll get back to the report in a moment, but I want you to know that Schrader Real Estate and Auction Company has sold farm and ranch land and farm equipment in 40 states. Learn how the Schrader family can help your family. Visit SchraderAuction.com. That's S-C-H-R-A-D-E-R Auction.com. Many farmers who want to buy land and hold it in an IRA or retirement account also want to farm the land. 
In many situations, the farmland purchase is financed. The problem with farming or financing land held in an IRA is that it will likely cause the IRA to be fully taxable. Many actions are prohibited when land is owned by an IRA. For starters, you or anyone closely related to you can't farm the land. You can't even personally do any work on the land, such as mowing grass waterways or painting a barn or doing any maintenance. Also, rent should be based on fair market value. If you borrow funds to buy the land, you can't personally guarantee the debt. If you do finance the purchase, part of your rental income will be subject to income tax, and the IRA will need to file an income tax return. You'll also need to find an IRA custodian to handle the transaction and the ongoing ownership of the land and pay fees. The land will have to be appraised every year, and once you turn 72, you may need to partially distribute the land annually. Do you still want to own land in an IRA? You can do it, but for most people, it's just not a good idea. This has been the Agricultural Law and Tax Report. I'm Roger McOwen. Concerns about water supplies for farm irrigation in several areas of the West going into the spring, they are being alleviated to a degree, thanks to a winter of mountain snow activity and snowpack accumulation. We still have quite a bit of optimism, especially from California to the western slopes of the central Rockies and even extending into parts of Arizona and New Mexico as we have seen quite a winter wet season to this point. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says with the western mountain snowpack season now past the two-third point and approaching the April 1st end date, accumulations to date. Most of those areas have snowpacks that as we move into early February are about 150 to 250 percent of average for this time of year. And then if you look at that in the context of what typically falls by the peak snowpack date, which is around April 1st, all those values would be above average for April 1st as well. Bode well for replenishment of several reservoirs in the southern two-thirds of the region. All of those areas are expecting favorable runoff that should help to continue to recharge reservoirs. We may even see a little bit of a spring bump in water levels in some of our lowest reservoirs in the west, and that would include massive Lake Mead near Las Vegas, which is currently at a record low level since being filled back in the 1930s. Now for California, the 154 intrastate reservoirs have gotten a big bump from all of this rain and snow. It will continue to get a boost as the snow melts in the spring and early summer. In other parts of the West, snowpack levels at the moment are adding to possible water supply concerns for spring and summer irrigation. For instance, we've actually seen a drying trend recently across the Northwest that has brought snowpack to near or even below normal totals, which may seem hard to believe given the overall context of the stormy Western US, but a lot of those storms have missed the Pacific Northwest and the Northern Rockies. So we have seen a number of basins in those two regions seeing their snowpack levels drop into the 75 to 90% of average range for this time of year, early February. Rippy adds the eastern slopes of the northern and southern Rockies are also in need of additional snowpack to add to water supplies and help alleviate drought. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This is the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leal. We'll be back in just a moment with more of the day's national headlines and local reports when we return. 
But don't forget, if you've missed any of our morning shows or if you simply need to catch the news at a different time, you can always subscribe to our podcast and have statewide agriculture news at your convenience. All you have to do is search Agnet News Hour or Agnet West on your favorite podcast downloading app. That's Agnet News Hour. It's available on both Apple and Android devices. Farm Employers Labor Service Compliance Posters could save you thousands of dollars. Did you know that California lawmakers can be fined as much as $13,000 in government penalties if they don't have all the required employee and farm labor information posted for their workers? Avoid costly penalties and give yourself peace of mind knowing you are in full compliance with Fells Posters. At only $175, this full set of laminated weatherproof posters eliminates the risk. Order yours at FELS.net. Welcome back to the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West, providing you with statewide agriculture news daily. I'm your host, Danielle Leal. Now let's listen in to more featured segments. Expected small increases in U.S. corn and soybean stocks from USDA today could be partially offset by small decreases in South American production, making the overall report mostly neutral. In addition, USDA's annual Ag Outlook Forum is about two weeks away, and we think the trade will place more emphasis on those numbers. By the way, speaking of South America, grain analyst Jim Bauer in his daily newsletter this week made a very sobering point that expanded acres in the Amazon forests of Brazil have not come without peril and human loss, and points to thousands, literally thousands of environmental activists who have lost their lives defending the Amazon region. Push your crops to their maximum potential this season with ProGerminator from AgriLiquid. AgriLiquid will be at Commodity Classic next month. April live cattle closed lower yesterday after setting new contract highs three sessions in a row going back to last Thursday. And an 87-point decline yesterday is not a big correction in our view and tells us that tops are not yet in. Look for the hog trade to be stronger from here to the end of the week as well. And that's our bottom line. I'm Mark Oppold, wishing you a profitable day. An official highlights the current USDA work in organic agriculture. USDA is involved in several activities designed to boost the organic industry. USDA's Gary Crawford talks with Undersecretary of Agriculture Jenny Lester Moffitt in this next report. Lots of activity in the organic world right now, top of that list. The largest change to the National Organic Standards since the inception of the National Organic Program. Back in 2001, this from Undersecretary of Agriculture Jenny Moffitt. She told the Senate Ag Committee that the new rules will help assure consumers that when they shell out money, more money, for organic products, they're really getting organic. Now, some lawmakers expressed concern that the new strengthening organic enforcement rule will make things harder for existing organic farmers. Moffitt says... A lot of the strengthening organic enforcement rule will actually be about bringing in new brokers, importers, folks who have not traditionally been part and certified under organic standards. So they'll have to be inspected and certified just like farmers. The new rule was only published a couple of weeks ago, but... We're already working with producers as well as certifiers on implementation of that rule. Which is to go into full effect March of next year. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The past year represented a record for the value of U.S. agricultural exports. Veronica Nye, American Farm Bureau Federation senior economist, explains the final trade data for 2022. When the 2020- 
2021 values came out, we were all super excited and wondered if we could ever top that. But in 2022, U.S. ag exports blew previous records out of the water. We reached over $196 billion in U.S. ag exports in 2022, which is an increase by value of 11%. Now, the story changes a little bit when we go to the volume side. We've actually saw a decrease of 6% by volume. Nye says there were some distinct differences between commodities. In soybeans, we saw that 26% increase in value, but by volume, exports only increased by 8%. Now, for some products like rice, we saw a 27% decline in export volume. Corn had an export volume reduction of 16%, and wheat, because of those high prices around the world, a decline in volume of 13%. Nye adds trade increased faster to developing countries than developed countries. In 2022, the trend of U.S. having faster increases in sales to developing countries continued. So relative to 2021, we had an increase of over 12% in U.S. ag exports by value to developing countries. Meanwhile, our exports to developed countries also increased, but at a slower pace of 9%. Michael Clements, Washington. We interrupt this program for an important announcement. Yes, it was just days ago in the early morning hours of February 2nd when we heard this bulletin. Today is Groundhog Day. Ah, and of course, I remember the words of my friend and agriculture department meteorologist Mark Rusberg, words he had uttered many times to me over the years. Groundhog's Day is one of my favorite holidays because it gives uh, somebody else a chance to make a bad forecast. Uh, so he and I rushed up to Pontchartani, Pennsylvania to broadcast the momentous event. Uh, no room there, so we had to settle for watching online from a motel room in Dismal Seepage, Ohio. And of course, every year, this charming and shy groundhog, he comes out into the spotlight dressed in the top hat and the tails, real tail, tap dancing and, and even singing. A groundhog and his shadow are a very famous pair. They forecast the weather together, a trick that is rare. Uh, the one little thing that bothers me when out of doors I go. Now does my shadow be printed? Ah, yes, Mark and I were breathlessly waiting to see which it would be. Would he see a shadow, meaning six more weeks of winter, or would he not? Even though we were in Dismal Seepage, Ohio, Mark and I decided to go online and cover the event as if we were there. Nobody would know the difference, and so in our pregame show, Mark said, this shadow business seems odd, very odd. For example, there have been years when Phil saw a shadow while there was drizzle, freezing rain, even snow coming down. How could that be? It's magic. It's magic. Uh, yes, Bugs, it is. But, Mark, I, I, I wonder... Oh, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Listen to the crowd there in Dismal Sea... I mean, uh, Punxsutawney. They want Phil. Yes, and, and look, the town officials are trying to pull the groundhog out of his hole now. He's feisty. Look out. Oh, wait, he's out. And what is the verdict? I see a shadow. And no matter how you measure, it's six more weeks of winter weather. Oh, wow. So, so, Mark, how does that line up with what our human weather forecasters are predicting? There's some disagreement. So what are the folks at the National Weather Service calling for? Warmer than normal conditions likely across the south and along most of the east coast, and that includes Pennsylvania. So they were anticipating a quick start to the spring. Okay, so Mark, what side are you on, the Weather Service or the Groundhog? As a meteorologist, I don't like to uh, check up on other meteorologists' forecasts, whether they've got two legs or four. 
<laughs> playing it safe. Okay. Oh, hey, look. Phil's back for an encore, it looks like. The whole thing just confuses me, and that is why I sing a groundhog shadow. Just doesn't mean a thing. Oh, yes, it does. Well, maybe it doesn't. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington. You're listening to Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Danielle Leo. We'll be right back in just a moment with more agriculture news. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. Support us at 4H.org. Welcome back to the Agnet News Hour. I'm your host, Danielle Leal. Today, I have a conversation with marketing manager for the International Agri Center and the World Ag Expo, Jennifer Fox. Today, we chat about those top 10 new product winners and how you can and how you can plan your show on the My Show Planner at WorldEggExpo.com. So before we get into the topic that we're going to talk about today, I'd just like to give you, um, you an opportunity to tell me about the specific details, the dates, and how to get access um, to some of the great things that we're going to be seeing at this year's event. Absolutely. So again, for 2023, it's February 14th through the 16th. So yes, you will be spending Valentine's Day with us. <laughs> You'll find lots of things you love. Don't worry. Um, and then we are open, start open every day at 9 a.m. Stay open until 5 on Tuesday and Wednesday and 4 o'clock on Thursday. So definitely join us right here in Tulare at the International Agri Center all three days. Um, and then if you want access, first of all, get some tickets now. Uh, so if you go online to worldagexpo.com, up in the right corner, there's a yellow button. It says buy tickets. And those general admission tickets are now $20. Always a great deal. Uh, if you'd like to save $3 on each ticket, just put in uh, Agnet as the promo code in there and Agnet will save you $3 on each ticket. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then you're ready to go. And now then, now the next thing you have to do is plan your visit. So we have lots of tools to do that. The app just went to development today, or I'm sorry, not development, but went in for approval today. And so we should see that in a couple weeks. In the meantime though, you can get onto that website. You can get to it through um, worldagexpo.com, scroll down, go to the attendee page, you're gonna see, you know, you can click right in to see all the exhibitors, see the maps. If you create a My Show Planner, it's free. You can decide gets, who gets to see your information, if anyone, and you can start saving exhibitors that you have to see. Mm -hmm. So that way, when you're on the grounds, you can walk around with your app, sign into the app. All the information that you, sh sh uh, you saved is right there. Mm -hmm. And you can look at your exhibitors, the seminars you wanna to go to and really plan that visit. It also has directions. You can get point-to-point -point directions in there too. Because again, there's a lot going on here. But really start looking. Follow our social media. We're putting out tips and tricks. Uh, sign up for our email newsletter. That The first one comes out next week. We'll send you some bite-sized information starting uh, January, I think it's the 10th. Uh, Tuesday, January 10th, every Tuesday, you'll get some new information from us and some great links to plan everything. And uh, we promise we won't share your email unless you tell us we can. What I love about prepping for World Egg Expo, there's so many things that are happening on the grounds, but one way to kind of um, get information beforehand is to go to that website, like you said, and you guys have already listed those top 10 new product winners. So um, today I kind of want to talk to you about that. And that is one of those things that you can plan out on that show map and, and have in your planner. You can key those top 10 new product winners. Mm -hmm. This year, I think there's a lot, like in every other year past, 
technology, automation, um, what's new and innovative. So tell me about those top to new product winners. So it's really, it's really funny. Like it's a really good international field, even though they all say they're from U.S. They all have U.S. offices because they know U.S. Ag. We've we've definitely want those new pieces of technology. But you're going to see some great folks from all over the world right here on the grounds. And yeah, you can go in. They're listed. There's a link on that first page of the show website where all the exhibitors are listed. There's also a page on our uh, website, worldagexpo.com, with everybody on there you can click right on their booth space number so you can go see right where they are on the map um but really that technology and autonomy that's the big thing we all know their labor is tight right now it's tough it's a challenge but there's so many ways i mean there's a basically an automated like beehive oh. on the list uh the bee home product um it does like surveillance on your <laughs> on your beehive and keeps track so you know all these things that are needed Mm -hmm. to protect our really important pollinators and help them um just be really healthy but Mm -hmm. ways to convert your equipment to autonomous vehicles Mm -hmm. um uh, more autonomous vehicles like burrow is back again they're a winner again they teamed up with uh, agronomy sorry bitwise agronomy and they have a new package on board that burrow Mm -hmm. to make it even um to do crop scouting. I mean, there's there's things that, again, technology is so amazing that you can start seeing different things. Um, but just really check that out. I will say, again, Gus, a three-time winner now. Like, they just keep innovating uh, and bringing more pieces that they know their customers want and need. And then we have some really cool, there's some new people in the field, too. I mean, Mantis Ag, Smart Spraying, they're really looking at some uh, good ways to preserve, minimize how many chemicals are going and make sure that... It's good for the environment. It's good for your pocketbook. All those things that we want to take mm-hmm. care of. Um, Quanturi is out with hay tech. I mean, we have hay fire issues. We want to make sure that all this feed that everyone is working so hard to put together to save all of our time, our water, our everything. Our money. Feed yes. is so expensive right now. Yeah. That it's still there and it's still viable and we're all safe. Mm. Um, so there's just lots of great stuff. There's a water... So- there's an irrigation solution. Again, Rainbird is back. They're a back-to-back winner now, and they came with another really good solution, um, another app. It, just so many things. And Tevel, they were a new entry from Israel at the show um, in 2022. Now they, they found someone to team up with at the show last year, and now they've come out with a co-product. They have the flying autonomous um, robots, basically. Um, I gave them a bad time and said, really? Terminator, why are we? Do- why are? What are you guys doing? You know, but no, they're they're picking fruit and making decisions in real time mm-hmm. to save some of that labor. But then now they also have a system that like unloads the bins. I mean, there's just so many things that are happening that just everywhere you turn at the show, somebody's doing something amazing. Whether it's high tech or whether it's just a smarter way to do business, to do a process that maybe is not even high tech, but it's really important and. And that's the thing I love about the show and getting to see all the top 10 entries. They're amazing. I think what's really unique about this lineup that you just said, one, there are some from out of the United States, but that they've collaborated with other people, other exhibitors that they've made those connection with Mm -hmm. um, year after year, you know, and now they're coming up with a product that is innovative and useful for the ag industry that they would not have had an opportunity had they not have come here. So 
tell me a little bit more about those connections and and um, why this show is important for things like that. Yeah, so that's one of the things that we don't see every year uh, in real time, those connections that are made. But again, one of the top three reasons people they say, say they come to this show is for the networking. They're researching, they're buying product, and they're networking. And those connections, we know somebody has a piece to your puzzle that you don't know how to solve yet, mm-hmm. you're probably going to find them here. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, any good event, any good farm show, that's going to happen. We just have a lot of space and a lot of folks here. And we're really mm-hmm. proud of that, that this is a place where people want to come and figure out how to do more and better business mm-hmm. and get to talk to each other, see each other face to face. I mean, that is more important now than ever. And then with equipment on the grounds that they can start seeing and seeing how it could fit together and really elevate their offerings and talking to real uh, users Mm -hmm. or producers that actually use the equipment or have a need. And that's what you'll see a lot too. We know farmers are sometimes crazy engineers, but also they really solve their own problems because every farm is a little different, but they have a lot of similar needs. And so being able to see these products and connect those dots based on the different things they see across the grounds and exhibitors being able to go see other things on the grounds, go to a seminar, go to try something, um, do a test drive somewhere. Um, Those are the important things that we see happening here. And sometimes, again, like I said earlier, we don't, as a staff, we are volunteers. We don't see it happening in real time. We see it the next year in a booth, in the top 10, in discussions with people and really hearing those success stories. Mm -hmm. It's very exciting to keep putting a show together and encourage those things, make more spaces to do those Mm -hmm. things, encourage those conversations are so important now. Thanks, Jennifer. And folks, if you're interested in purchasing a ticket ahead of the show online, you can snag $3 off your ticket purchase by using the code AGNET, that's A-G-N-E-T. Stay tuned. We'll have more agriculture news after the break. Farm Employers Labor Service Compliance Posters could save you thousands of dollars. Did you know that California lawmakers can be fined as much as $13,000 in government penalties if they don't have all the required employee and farm labor information posted for their workers? Avoid costly penalties and give yourself peace of mind knowing you are in full compliance with Fells Posters. At only $175, this full set of laminated weatherproof posters eliminates the risk. Order yours at FELS.net. You've been listening to the Agnet News Hour by Agnet West. I'm your host, Daniel Leal. Welcome back. We've got more of the day's agriculture news right now. In this week's California Chill Hour report, brought to you by Dormex. Wake up your buds with Dormex. Research director at the Mari Agricultural Research Institute, Masood Kesri joins us once again to talk about his work looking at chill accumulation in pistachio trees. And now last week you highlighted how Dormex was shown to improve yield in some of the trial work. But why is that? You noted the project is looking at bloom synchronization. But what is the correlation there between synchronizing bloom and how that relates to yield? This is a very good question. You you know, in the first year of our research trial, we found out that male and female pistachio trees respond to Dormex differently. And it directly depends on the spray timing. So, so very early spray of Dormex can release female chairman from dormancy, but it is not effective on male peters. But the right spray timing of Dormex can properly synchronize male and female bloom and actually boost the yield. 
Gotcha. Now, this was only year one of a multi-year trial, but what is going to be the next step taken as part of this project? And what are you hoping to learn more about or understand better in the coming years of the research? Vino Pistachio has an alternate bearing trait, has on and off uh, bearing cycles. And it is important to know that activating and retaining buds uh, is part of the challenge. And we know Dormex directly impacts buds. This year, we're going to continue to investigate the efficacy of Dormex on male and female bloom synchrony and yield. And also to see if Dormex may be used to produce more consistent yields, which could benefit growers and the entire industry. Very good. And information from the UC Davis Chill Calculator shows that as of February 6th, the Shafter Simistation has logged 60.4 portions under the dynamic model with 1,098 hours below 45 degrees. The station in five points has registered 60.7 portions with 1,111 hours. There have been 1,186 hours in Merced with 64.7 cumulative portions. In Manteca, there have been 1,027 chill hours, equating to 64.3 portions. Finally, the Simmons station in Durham has registered 66.7 portions with 1,123 hours. And this has been the California Chill Hour Report brought to you by Dormex. Tune in again next week for another episode. To get more information on the topics you heard today, visit Agnet West online at agnetwest.com. You can also stay connected by following us on our social media at Agnet West on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find our broadcast team of Daniel Leal, Brian German, and Sabrina Halvertson on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening to the Agnet News Hour from Agnet West. Agnet West Radio Network, your primary choice for agriculture news.